Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Telich Talks. And I must admit, folks, things have changed quite a bit since the last time I dropped an episode. That episode was dropped three weeks ago, and it was uh, right as the world was really changing, at least our version of it here in the United States, particularly in Cleveland, Ohio. It was right after the Big East basketball tournament in New York City canceled uh, the first game at halftime. It was also the same day uh, that the Big East basketball tournament, the Big Ten, the MAC that was being contested here in Cleveland, all of those tournaments, it was the same day that all of basketball basically stopped bouncing and things changed. Baseball was uh, uh, slowing things down and uh, ending their uh, quest to keep uh, spring training going. The NBA was grinding to a halt. Everything was slowing down. Stay in place orders were uh, in effect in some areas. I will always say that the governor of the state of Ohio was really in the front of being proactive dealing with this and I do keep up each day on the statistics and I'm certain that the numbers would be greater uh, if uh, Governor DeWine did not put in place. He was the first one to basically say no indoor gatherings. He was the first who uh, at the Arnold Classic in Columbus basically made it a no spectator affair for most of the events. And so I think that got into the minds of the populace that this would be a possibility and it came to fruition. It was quite stunning to see sports. Uh, this is my livelihood. This is something that I love not just to cover but to watch. Uh, you can live uh, some of your, your lives uh, through the, 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 the exploits of the teams that you follow. Um, so I have a lot invested in sports per se, and some say they are an escape to real life, but uh, these are human beings that perform on the field or on the court or on the diamond or golf course. They are individuals affected uh, just as much as you and I are. I know we always look at the fact that they make so much money and, uh, well, they can deal with it, but they are human just like uh, you and I, and they have, uh, they are fallible as I am and as you are, or at least I believe you are. <laughs> Can we all agree on that? Uh, but not to be too flip, just wanted to check in and talk a little bit about how things have changed for us in the industry, in the television industry. Uh, I'm speaking to you uh, late at night. I had just done my 10 p.m. sportscast. Uh, this is the first week that I've been doing sports from home. I was going to the studio uh, the first two weeks when things were really getting crazy and many of our producers were sent home to work at their uh, residences and I kind of held out that uh, I, I'll go to the studio, it's not a big deal. But I also got the sense that uh, people would have been very comfortable with me being away, just another person uh, distancing themselves from everyone else. And so that's what's happened. I got uh, equipment uh, brought here. We set it up. I set it up. And uh, uh, other than someone bringing a light and a microphone here, we, we set uh, 
up our little tiny camera, uh, set the lights. I write all my scripts here at home. I do my research at home, uh, sharing a desk in the great room with my wife, uh, her Mac and my PC from work, and we get it done. The dog walks around and she still owns the place anyway. But it's, it's, uh, it's awkward for me in some ways because as much as I enjoy being on the air from wherever they put me, whether it's at a, a stadium, an arena, uh, a golf course, uh, or a high school football game, I love doing that. But also as I've kind of gotten a bit older and uh, uh, my hearing isn't as great as it was, so I really do have to strain uh, while I'm doing my, my shots just to make sure I hear the directions from the people in the control room and things of that nature. But again, those are small, tiny, little uh, instances where I guess for the greater good to kind of be distanced, to be here with my wife has been great, although both wife and dog wonder each day, what in the world is this guy doing here so much? Shouldn't he be somewhere? Um, we've had a chance to just you know spend a little bit more time together and We've also uh, had a chance to, you know, figure out, you know, what are the priorities. We keep the place clean. Uh, if I have to run to the store, we, we're vigilant when we get back to the house and having everything clean before it comes in. We're just being proactive as far as this is concerned. So I take it very, very seriously. And I know of instances of, of athletes that have uh, contracted uh, COVID-19 and have survived it, like Rudy Gobert, like those Los Angeles Lakers, like the coach of the, uh, the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton. And so are there are many cases of individuals uh, becoming infected, uh, dealing with their couple of weeks and then coming out the other end. But there are so many stories we're hearing of individuals, just heartbreaking stories of folks that go into the hospital and they just they don't survive and they don't come out. So this is an incredibly serious uh, thing to deal with. But through it all, you know, there's hope. There are individuals who lift each and everybody else that they come in contact with. They lift them up. And those are the individuals that give me uh, a lot of hope that things will be better. Whether it's small companies like a Cleveland uh, whiskey uh, firm that use part of their facilities to make uh, hand sanitizer, uh, whether it's the company that makes uh, the hockey uh, equipment reformatting so they can make uh, shields that the, uh, the folks in the medical field, the, the nurses and the, the doctors uh, can wear when they come in contact uh, with the population. Um, there's so many instances where uh, the research is being done and getting closer and closer to a potential vaccine. There's stories of uh, medical people here in Northeast Ohio, of the, of the big uh, conglomerate hospital systems uh, joining forces and working together. And there's the people that just knock on the doors of the elderly and ask if they need help and do what they can to maybe lessen the fears that the, uh, the elderly individuals uh, are dealing with. Uh, we have a, a, a situation in our family that is, I'm certainly not unique because it does go on uh, elsewhere, but my father-in-law, he's 96 years of age, and his birthday 
at, to turn 90, 96 was um, March the 13th. And of course, my wife's trip to go down and, and spend a little time with him was uh, postponed because the, where he lives, they do not allow visitors. So that's tough to happen, have happen. But we're seeing this all over the country, whether it is a husband who has to be quarantined from the rest of the family because uh, he's going out into the, into the public and coming back in, uh, into the house, um, whether it is um, uh, one of my former colleagues, uh, Mark Borchik, uh, could not go back to see you know, his mother in uh, a nursing facility, and uh, she regrettably and very sad to uh, note she passed away. And these instances happening all over the country. But again, we keep hearing stories of hope, like in the sports world. We think these folks make so much money, it's nothing for them to just write a check for a million dollars or whatever. Uh, their hearts are in the right places, whether it's someone like Denzel Ward, who's a Cleveland kid, a defensive back for the Cleveland Browns, and who has a foundation that's in honor of his father who, who died way too young of uh, heart problems. But uh, Denzel's, uh, his organization is called Make Them Know Your Name. In other words, do something to make you stand out, not just as a professional, but do something for your fellow man. And Denzel and his foundation uh, set out on their website where you can uh, try to be one of 21 people, that's his, his number, uh, be one of 21 people that he'll take care of your bills for you. If you've got a big uh, car payment due or some, uh, something in your house, a big electrical bill, what have you, uh, Denzel will take care of that. That's one story. Uh, Baker Mayfield has contributed uh, $50,000. Uh, the Haslam family has contributed a million and a half. Kevin Love has been very, uh, of the Cleveland Cavaliers, has been very, very um, out there in speaking up for the arena workers who are going to lose all these uh, games that they should have been working. And he was the first guy in the NBA to say we should do something for them. A lot of other big stars hopped on board in this. And then, of course, the, the teams themselves are hopping on board as well and getting involved. Everywhere you look on the landscape, there are individuals that are doing something for someone else. And what I think has been kind of cool throughout this uh, isolation, if you will, as much as we've been kept apart, and I know some people flaunt the rules and aren't necessarily social distancing's, distancing the way they should be, but as much as we have been kept apart, uh, through technology we've kind of drawn together. Who isn't FaceTiming? Who is not using that Zoom meeting um, app? Who isn't using um, uh, Microsoft products to, to uh, uh, stay in touch or Skyping or just doing a crazy Marco Polo video, which is a, another app that allows you to send videos back and forth to each other, uh, kind of like a little tag team or obviously Marco Polo, and you can, uh, you can just stay in touch with, with your friends. Um, it's been challenging, but I think technology has helped us uh, to draw a little bit closer as far as that's concerned. I know we bemoan the so-called the young people and the telephone and get your noses out of the telephone and look at the real world, 
but in so many ways, at least in my estimation, and I'm sorry I hit the microphone there, but just in my estimation, uh, the fact that we have these devices, uh, it's also allowed us to, to reach out and to make a connection with someone that perhaps we may not have made before. One of the great examples of this is, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, so certainly if you are on LinkedIn, um, hit me up there. And I like to post things about what I've done in my career, people I have met, people that have inspired me, uh, like a man I worked with in Iowa, Ron Gonder, who was a mentor to me. I like to tell stories like that. And I also say, this is an incredible thing to have, have social media uh, platforms like Twitter and like LinkedIn and Instagram where you can be exposed if you're a young person trying to get into the business of broadcasting or media, digital, whatever. Uh, you can be exposed to someone that's got a lot of experience, someone like myself, uh, and there's many other examples, and you can hit me up on those platforms and I would be more and certainly encourage you to do so because I'd love to chat with you, hear your goals, your ambitions, and I would have literally died to be able to have uh, that kind of a connection when I was just getting out of college way back in the mid-70s. To have at my fingertips, on a phone, the ability to contact the, the broadcasters that I looked up to. In those days, you got on the phone or you wrote them a letter and maybe they got back to you, maybe they did not, but the bottom line was you had a chance you had a chance to have a connection, but here with social media and with uh, the cell phone being so ubiquitous and so much a tool, you can get in touch. And I think it's, it's absolutely fabulous. A guy I really respect in the business, uh, Ernie Johnson from TNT, the host of Inside the NBA with uh, Barkley and the gang. Uh, Ernie uh, started doing a two o'clock session uh, during the week and they'll have guest speakers come on. It's a, it's a live uh, format where people can just hop on and interact and just ask questions. Uh, Ernie can give you tips as to how he got into the business. Um, he's had fellow broadcasters come on as quote unquote adjunct professors of media, if you will, uh, whether it's uh, Scott Van Pelt, uh, Ali LaForce, my former colleague, whomever. They, can be there for an hour or whatever time allotted and take questions. Couldn't do that type of stuff before. And so it's really great that we can stay in touch. We can also, uh, as we look at what's going on in the world of sports right now, we keep tabs on athletes, organizations doing things, you know, to keep things as normal as possible even though things are so topsy-turvy. Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the Browns, uh, today was on a conference call with reporters talking about doing you know, the virtual meetings with his, uh, with his staff. And so uh, they can stay in touch and devise ways to deal with dealing with the players on a remote basis. And that's what they're left with right now. You can't have a large group of football players putting on uh, your uniforms. They're still going through with the NFL draft, but that's going to be on a social distancing kind of a level where they probably only allow 
four or five or six people in a big room and have them kept away from each other, but communicate by using FaceTime and all the other tools that we have uh, in the media today. But it is not the way it used to be, but someday, uh, hopefully in the months to come, when people are more educated, when the medical people catch up in terms of maybe a vaccine or more protocols, better equipment, respirators, ventilators that are more efficient at what they do, we can save lives because that's what it's really all about. But through this all, uh, it has been very, very heartening for me to see how much people have expressed how much sports really is. It, it, it's, it's a gathering place for them. It's somewhere that it's something that can lift up their soul and give them hope and give them a source of pride and a sense of belonging to something, of a greater tribe, if you will, and feeling that connection. I think it's pretty awesome what the possibilities are when people are connected to sports. A couple of nights ago, we had ESPN replay Game 7 of the 2016 NBA Championship where the Cavaliers beat the Warriors, one of the greatest moments in Cleveland sports history. And I know there were many Cavalier fans watching that and almost treating it as if it were just happening. A great sense of pride. They went crazy and ballistic when ESPN somehow uh, mistakenly did not show Kyrie Irving's game-winning shot. I don't know how they could not show that live or when they replayed it. And, uh, but it was kind of a cool sense. to You saw people engaged in an event, talking about it, tweeting about it. And uh, it was like the old times. It was kind of cool. It was like we took for granted all those times that we kind of gathered around the campfire, or around the, the cooler, and when I say that, I'm actually talking about social media, when we gathered around the device and we, we harped on uh, the defensive deficiencies of the Browns, or we argued with people in another part of the country about the merits of a quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, or, or whether or not Baker Mayfield has is uh, lost it in a sophomore slump and will ever get it back. We had those arguments. We still can continue to have those arguments. And one, one day soon, we'll be talking about the real thing. But for now, it's just, it's not happening. It's kind of heartbreaking, but yet um, in the grand scheme of things, one day at a time, uh, I think we can get through this. Uh, you know, it was written that a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, and that is absolutely so true. And I think if, if you were to try to uh, visualize getting through an ordeal like this and maybe fixating on what the negative potential could be of this, the horrific, uh, astonishing figures of, of uh, people that are coming down with the disease, some not making it out the other end, uh, you can get really down. But if you just c concentrate on uh, making that first step and then that second step and that third and so on and so forth, you can have that mental fortitude uh, to get through it. Like on a personal note, you may or may not know that, you know, I have been doing ultra marathons for quite a few years now. I did so many uh, triathlons for many, many years. Those are long, grueling events. And 
I know I never would have finished running a 100-mile ultramarathon uh, in under 30 hours if I thought about the entire scope of that task. Absolutely too intimidating to think about. But if you chop it down into, into smaller bits, and if you concentrate on getting through that first part, and if you're really fatigued or feeling at super bad that things will not uh, turn out well for you, you just concentrate on that particular moment that you're in, that you are in, and you can come through the other side of that. And I think and I believe that we can come through the other side of this as well. Uh, a lot of people are visiting the pain cave, if you will. And it's painful both emotionally, what people are going through, whether they've contracted this, whether a family member has, the emotional drain that it has on your system. All those things can be negative factors for us, but um, I think there are people here and there's good people and people will lift uh, you up, lift all of us up. So let's be hopeful. Let's uh, you know, hold out hope that the balls will start bouncing soon and that the medical people will continue their fight as they always have and they always will, those noble soldiers that they are. And God bless the, the nurses and the doctors and God bless the, the truck drivers and the grocery store workers, the people that are out there in the so-called front lines. I heard it put very well earlier today by a doctor saying, we are no longer on the front line. You are on the front line. You uh, in the public, you dealing with each other, you making a point to social distance yourself from others or to stay at home. Or <laughs> I think it was uh, uh, someone even has put put out a, a children's book that says stay the F at home or there's songs out now stay the F at home and so if you're if you're practicing that you're kind of on the front lines of dealing and fighting this uh, global pandemic stay the F at home we should all think about that as much as possible so from the spacious great room of my home on the east side of Cleveland Ohio I bid you adieu on this edition of Tellich Talks. I've rambled enough, and I missed uh, recording this, but there has been a few other things going on, so I hope you will understand. And I look forward to doing another episode. I think one of the things that uh, I enjoyed doing uh, my, my show before was I could sit, real, sit down real close to somebody and shoot the breeze with them and dig into what they were all about. And it's a little difficult to do that right now uh, with the six-foot rule and all of those types of things and people staying at home. So for the time being, I just wanted to pop this episode out, drop it as they say, and uh, look forward to chatting with you again. And as always, check the archives. We've had a lot of great interviews with people, uh, guys like uh, my buddy Hayden Grove from Cleveland.com who has fought a depression and has come out the other side of that real outstanding young man. The most recent interview I did with John Fanta, uh, a great young uh, broadcaster. And throughout the, the time, a lot of my buddies in the business that have been in broadcasting, whether it's Ken Carmen, whether it's Vince Cellini, 
my longtime colleague from way back in the 80s at Channel 8. Uh, I, and if there's someone that you'd like uh, me to uh, interview, uh, hit me up and I will do my best to, do, to get that done. But for now, we are staying the F at home. <laughs> and I hope you have a great day and thanks for listening to Talish Talks. We'll see you the next time.